Doug and I are back together to debate our Donovan Mitchell takes. Montrez Harrell is officially gone. And then we spin the wheel of random Hornets content. That's all today on the Locked On Hornets podcast. Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free. We're available on all podcast platforms, and that includes YouTube, by the way. You can follow us on Twitter at Walker Mail, at Doug Branson, LOH, and the show handle on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. I got a text from Doug on Thursday. I was driving down to Folly Beach. I got three separate texts in a row. Bang, bang, Uh bang. The first text said, the Cavs, all lowercase, every letter. Mm -hmm. The second text said, the Cavs, Cavs being all uppercase, the Uh being all lowercase. Finally, the third text came in, and it was all uppercase, the Cavs. That's what I read. On my way down to Folly Beach, and then Doug did a show, and he told me that he was going to bring the sauce. I saw the first segment. Seemed a lot more level-headed than what you had kind of warned me about because you said you cared about me and you didn't want me to be a part of that. But I saw your first segment with David. Shout out to him for helping you out, too. Uh, Did it get worse in the final two segments, Doug? No, well, the problem is, you know, right now, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm sitting on the right side. And when you're on the right side, I think you have a lot more leeway to really get out there with the hot takes. When you're sitting on the left <laughs> I side, I thought about that too, to be honest. It's yeah, funny this is the responsibility that comes with hosting the show. This is why I enjoy you sitting on the left side. You are the radio <laughs> professional. You get to come in and steer the ship, and I get to try and sink the ship every day. And so, yeah, I got on the left side and I felt a little bit more responsible. I didn't like how it felt. I'm glad to be back on the right side. I can tell you how I really feel about this situation. You almost had the read right. It went more like the calves. Okay. The calves. Mm-hmm. The calves. I that's could how, not have that's done how that. I really, that's how I really said it. Yeah. I couldn't have done that. I did my best interpretation of that, or at least the way the best way that I could mimic it. But that's right. As we've discussed now, Donovan Mitchell, not a member of the Charlotte Hornets. He's a member of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I will say this. I realized the thing I'm most angry about this offseason, and it was something that you pointed to in the first segment with David. I didn't realize like that this was the number one thing I was the most mad about because I think that was this thing is the most ridiculous of all what took place with the Hornets, and there's a ton. Kenny Atkinson staying in Golden State. All right. Hornets have some responsibility there with the assistant coach thing. Kenny has it too. Whatever. It sucks. They moved on. Steve Clifford. All right. That's weird. Didn't show that they had a plan there. Okay. Didn't love it, but whatever. Uh, Miles Bridges, not the Hornets' fault. You could argue that it's their fault for not dropping him, but Miles Bridges is responsible for his problems there. So not the Hornets' fault. Still can be angry with Miles Bridges. Obviously, bigger things at play. It's when you talked about Ochai Abaji being included in that deal, and I didn't even, I didn't, even, it didn't even trigger me during the time I learned about the package that Cleveland sent out. But you're right. It's not even specifically about Abaji, who was linked to the Hornets a lot in the pre-draft process. 
It's the fact that they traded that first round pick. And then, of course, it led to the epic doom and gloom episode and locked on Hornets franchise history. Like that was we we had problems with the camera. I was doing the show in the dark, which represented our feelings. Doug quite literally had lamps go off on him. It was as dark an episode as we'll ever do. And it was because the reasoning behind them trading that first round pick Jalen Duran to wherever it ended up and then eventually Detroit right at the time we thought it was going to be New York. There's a whole bunch of weird details coming in, but it was because Mitch Kupchak said this is not a team that is necessarily ready to have that many young players on the roster right now. And so their answer to that was to trade Jalen Duran, get a pick that is going to be worse from the Denver Nuggets. And then just stick with Mark Williams, who we both agreed we liked as a player, but it was overshadowed by this weird reason to get rid of a talented young asset. And so it doesn't matter that you have an asset that you don't want to keep on the roster. It's weird, but that's fine. You still use that draft pick or trade it for more or something better at least. And then use that in potential deals that could help you land a Donovan Mitchell or something like that. And Doug, I don't think you're saying this either. I'm certainly not indicating that they would have gotten this deal done had they just not made that trade. I'm not saying that, but I'm also saying it definitely wouldn't have hurt. Like you would have had some options to the point where maybe Utah would, maybe you could have had something happen. I don't know. I know this happened a little bit later after the draft. I understand timing doesn't work out, but that's the thing that triggered me most listening to your like, Man, you're right. Like that, we had. You asked me what was the most crazy thing that this happened this off season. Most the Hornets' fault. That was it. That's the thing that I don't get. Yeah, I don't understand it either. I don't. I think the Donovan Mitchell episode, the draft episode, uh, really highlight for me that I I don't understand what the direction of this franchise is. Uh, because you see a lot of other franchises like the Oklahoma City Thunder, for example, collecting assets and moving in a direction towards a a full rebuild. And then you have other teams like the Cleveland Cavaliers that have hit on some draft picks, just like the Charlotte Hornets hit on some draft picks, and they've decided to go all in and move forward and and try to accumulate as many Eastern Conference wins and get into the playoffs and and do some damage. The Hornets are as stuck in the middle of those two universes as they've ever been. And I just, I don't understand exactly what they are are selling uh, at this point. And the only way I can make it make sense is to think about things in a monetary way, to think about things in terms of the luxury tax window. And I don't want to think about things that way. I either want to have hope in a distant future where the Hornets are competing because they are collecting assets, or I want to root for a team that is actually going out there and doing everything possible to put a legitimate winning product on the floor. It has been too long since Charlotte Hornets fans could, could watch basketball on a nightly basis and think that this franchise has a legitimate shot to compete. I don't think they've done it really since they've returned uh, all the way back in the the early aughts, and it's just sad. I'm just sad. I'm disappointed. Yeah. I really need I, preseason right. no. basketball to start. No. I need preseason basketball yeah. to start because I need to see some of these young players that I didn't get to see last season so I can have some hope again. That's the only thing that can restore my hope at this point is Kai Jones, James Booknight, LaMelo Ball, 
That's the only thing right now. The the the, uh, the only problem with that is that they have the power to destroy your emotions even further. <laughs> it has potential to Mark get Williams even too. Worse. I want to see Mark Williams a lot for sure. Now we know summer league is for feelings. Is preseason for feelings too, or are we moving on into something real at that point? No, preseason is for reason. I mean, that's the whole thing. You've got it. You know, preseason <laughs> is time is time to figure out the rotation. Steve Clifford's got to determine, you know, of these young players. Because, look, you know, talk about th- this idea that Steve Clifford is not somebody that plays young players. <laughs> Just like when he first joined this franchise when they were the Bobcats, he really at this point is not going to have much choice, right? I mean, you know, unless they go, go on a little bit of a spending spree with the exceptions that they have and add another big and, and another and another couple of guards. with all the talent that's left out there? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there's not much to pick from, but, you know, yeah. he's going to have to rely. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe the, maybe this is truly what what at the hive called a gap year, a year where we're going to sort of straddle the line between player development and, and veteran play. And then when they shed this Nick Batum $9 million, maybe then they'll get serious. If I'm thinking about it, trying to stay positive, if I'm thinking I, I about it in that way, that's the only thing that I can say. Uh, is, is that hopefully these young players get a, a big opportunity to show what they can do. Yeah, you're right. It, it it can be appropriate to have a gap year given every everything that's taken place, and it can also be damn maddening that it's appropriate to have a gap year. We can feel very frustrated that, you know what, gap year just might be the best solution given everything that's taken place. So maybe we can explore that a little bit further. The Hornets did catch a couple of strays coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Oh, I was not ready, but we'll do it anyway. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Perfect. Just like we never left. The Hornets (laughs) did catch a couple of strays on possibly two of the most popular basketball podcasts during when they decided to update their content after this uh, Donovan Mitchell trade that took place. So, of course, the Hornets out here always getting clowned. Let's talk about Built Bar. Nobody clowning Built Bar, man. It's the best thing out there because it's like a candy bar that's actually healthy for you. And all of the flavors are delicious. If you haven't tried the Built Bar Puffs yet, you're depriving yourself of something very delicious. Even the cookie dough, the cookie dough chunk puffs are great. It doesn't matter what you get. Just go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKEDON15. Get 15% off your order, and then you'll get a delicious box of Built Bars that are low in sugar. They're low in calories, but they're high in fiber, and they're high in protein. Use promo code LOCKEDON15 at built.com continue the conversation up next locked on hornets is locked on hornets this says the hornets received three votes for their handling of james borrego who was viewed as doing a good job the past couple of years before charlotte fired like him, him man. after the season then hire him no one's hired him these gms are like oh we love james borrego oh, you, it's, you gonna hire him i don't think yeah. so. he got blown out twice <laughs> and played him. you can't hire that guy It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. (laughs) You're right there, Walker. Speaking of strays. Speaking of strays, buddy. Okay. Boom. JB. I did see I did see that James Borrego was uh, hanging out with Popovich overseas. So there might be some rumblings that uh, he goes back. Uh, to where it all started, being an assistant coach for Greg Popovich, and and what one one would assume are the final years of Greg Popovich in San Antonio, but the guy seems like he's got 
Um, yeah. He's just, you know, full of youth. You can't get the, rid of him. Greg the, Popovich, the always around. The, the tanking year, you would expect him to step away. Like, I don't want to be a part of this, but here he is. You know, team, keep getting them checks, and I'll just come out here. He's not about losing. Like, I wonder if he thinks he has one more surprise year left in him, but they don't have any talent over there. Like, they got rid of DeJounte for three first-round picks. That's not the direction they're going in. So, I guess Pop is just going to go out on a tanking year, and then we'll see probably – um, Quinn Snyder take that job. Maybe JB is an assistant on Quinn Snyder's staff, is if that's how it all works out. So speaking of strays, right? JB is not the only one catching him on this podcast. He actually had the Hornets catch him on different podcasts. So Doug, I was listening to the Bill Simmons pod. I was listening to the Zach Lowe pod, right? Trying to take care of you know what the big guns are saying about Donovan Mitchell, and I was listening to I think it was Bill Simmons who updated it first, and. I was listening to him and Ryan Rossillo talk about it. And I think Rossillo was mentioning the Cavs going for Donovan Mitchell, how much that he loved that idea. You still have a core four in place. And and that that really was a team that made so much sense to go after him, right? Because you don't have to give up a ton. You actually still have assets on that roster right now. You can trade the Kevin Love contract. You can also mm-hmm. see what you can get out there for Karis LeVert. You still kept Isaac Okoro, which maybe you don't think that's anything, but defensively, it can certainly help you in the backcourt where you have Garland and Mitchell. Anyways, he was saying all those points, how much he liked it. And then he was discussing, look, if you want to clown the Cavs for saying they're not going to win a championship because of this, then fine, right? Okay, you win the obvious award, whatever. But at least they're not some team that is going all out just to be a play-in team, try to put butts in the seats and really not build something for the future. This is actually a real move for them to possibly be in the top four, certainly the top six. But when he was saying that, going all in, on trying to possibly make the play-in tournament, Bill Simmons was like, yeah, like the Hornets. And then they kind of moved on. All right, so there's one. You know, we, we know we know what Bill Simmons thinks, and he's done that a, a few times. Well, then you go to Zach Lowe, and we've talked about Lowe's comments about the Hornets before, about ownership. And this one I'm not as prepared for. I was driving in the, on the highway. I didn't want to go back and press 15 seconds previous, 15 seconds previous to try to catch what he was saying because it was raining, tons of traffic. I didn't want to get in a car wreck. But he mentioned the Hornets in one of these. They were It was him and Bobby Marks talking about the uh, Donovan Mitchell trade. And then they were talking about some of the other teams, you know, that not could have made that trade. But they were discussing the other problems, right? And then I think Zach Lowe said something like the Hornets, right? Like, I guess the point more so being it's the Hornets and how they're viewed when it comes to national NBA analysts. And it's kind of how it's always been. And it seems to be more entrenched now than ever. You know, I I don't know if you've passed the Kings. You still think about the Kings quite a bit. You know, they've made a couple moves here and there. So sure, right? Like there there are teams you could certainly argue are worse worse off, but the Hornets are still up there. And I think that's the point that I'm trying to make. It's just like there they are once again. Well, it's it's all uh, philosophy, how you view this kind of thing, right? Is mm-hmm. is uh is it sadder to be the person in the bar room who got too saucy 
and is falling off the bar stool and taking swings at people. I mean, that's the Kings. The Kings are all over the place, and they're, they're uh, missing those point. swings. Really they, you know, instead of landing Luca, they just took a wild swing. They, you know, they just miss. But they're, they're saucy. At least they're trying. They're doing things. They're mixing it up. Is it sadder to be that person, or is it sadder to be the person that's in the corner, in the dark corner of the bar, talking to no one, showed up with no one, is going to leave with no one, will always be with no one because. Mm. That person never talks to anybody because that person never does anything because that person never makes a move. Uh, you know, is that I think that to me that's sadder and and that feels like the rap that the Hornets are getting. I mean, it, look, the coach. You can say that the coaching situation that happened this season was not the Hornets' fault, or you can look at it and say, hey, this organization has a rap, and that rap has caught up with them after all of these years. People understand what's going on here, and and big, high-profile coaches aren't going to put up with it. And, and yeah, Mike Tony's not going to put up with it. And Kenny Atkinson's not going to put up with it. The only person it seems like that was willing to put up with it was Steve Clifford, who has knows the organization, knows what's going on here. Well, and maybe you view this as worse, but let's say Mike D'Antoni actually was willing to put up with it, but they decided to go with Kenny. And then I don't even know if they went back to Mike D'Antoni like that because reports were that I, I actually didn't see any. Like I thought they were going to try to go, you know, go back with D'Antoni, maybe Terry Stotts, who was always this faux candidate. And then they just end up with Steve Clifford. He comes out of nowhere and a Mark Stein blog report and then boom, you know, it actually it, it hits. It's reality. And, and that is the part where, okay, there was no plan in place to bring Steve Clifford in. Once this all didn't work out, let's just go back to something familiar. And, you know, there were reports on this trade, right, Walker, that um, this trade for Donovan Mitchell, I've seen in the reports that Charlotte had an offer for the Utah Jazz that interested some within the organization. Yeah. I guess didn't interest people enough. And that's, to me, you want to hang a banner over the Charlotte Hornets organization right now, that's it. Uh, kind of interesting, but not enough. Like, mm. that to me is how I felt about this Hornets team for several years now. And the question is, when will this organization decide to be truly interesting, to do the things that are necessary to actually be interesting? And I think the saddest part of all of that is that at least there was some minor justification that one could have about not having a strategy. Cause this isn't, I just don't, I can't argue that what they're doing right now is any kind of strategy other than bracing themselves for what's, what's happening around this miles bridges situation. Yeah. Which but is ultimately the, what I probably think it is. Yeah. Right. Uh, but you know, th they don't have a strategy, but the old, the, you know, in the old days I could say, well, you know, they don't have a, they don't really have a bona fide star to build around. And yeah. It's difficult if you don't have that. But you have that now with LaMelo yeah. Ball. And they're yeah. still not doing anything. It comp No, it certainly complicates things. I like, by the way, that you think everybody else about the, Horn the Hornets are hanging the banner saying not enough. We're hanging the banner in the background of our podcast saying enough. Just enough with the Hornets. <laughs> Just period. So let's stop I mean, it. Let's try it, look, to do something else. It, it's a big risk that they're taking. That it, th They obviously feel like, and, and, and I say obviously because Mitch Kupchak has said on the record uh, that, you know, they they feel like they have enough players on this roster. Now, this is pre-Miles Bridges, obviously, but they felt like they had, you know, a, a core here of young players that they hadn't seen enough yet and, and and some veterans that they could go out and compete. They didn't need to go out and find other 
other players. And, and, you know, but then they went out and made an offer for Donovan Mitchell. So I don't know how much they really even believe that internally. But uh, we'll see. I mean, this is a big risk now because they are really putting all of their chips into mm-hmm. the basket of players that we've seen um, a, a little bit in summer league. We haven't even really seen a ton of James Booknight because of the injury. Yeah. So it's it's all going to come down to that. This preseason is pretty huge. They're putting all of their chips in that basket. The thing is, they don't have a whole lot of chips. So it's like, oh, oh well, we'll just put them all in there. Uh, I did want to mention three things. You, you talk about the Utah Jazz just not thinking highly enough about that package, but it did interest them. And that does not surprise me given what the Cavs gave up to go get Donovan Mitchell, right? Because I think it's probably just a little above what the Hornets could offer, but it's not insurmountable. You know what they gave up to the jazz. It's not like, Whoa, that blows the Hornets package out of the water. And I think I made this point yesterday where the Hornets first round picks would be viewed more valuable than the Cleveland first round picks. Like those first round picks, if you want to bet against a franchise considering a reputation, then of course you're going to go with the team that is not as good with Donovan Mitchell, right? So Hornets, Cleveland, who's better with Donovan Mitchell? It's pretty, it's clearly Cleveland considering they have more pieces in place. Hornets would have to gut their team outside of LaMelo to go get Donovan. And that's kind of the point I've made why I've understood them not going after him, even though I also understand the other side. So that makes sense. The other thing, too, I, I thought Bobby Marks on the Low Post podcast made a really interesting point in how the Knicks fumbled this situation. You could argue that the Knicks, at least they don't give up all their first round picks. Fine. They were more so in a position to do it, especially with them being a you know, high profile team, whatever. Right. But Bobby was discussing the reason it got complicated was because the Knicks had way too much. <laughs> like, so it's the Jazz trying to figure out, okay, well, we want this, we want that. There are way too many things to try to figure out and negotiate where the Knicks are like, we want to have something left over to make the next move. Where the Cleveland Cavaliers are like, look, man, this is what we got. Like, we got three first-round picks. We'll give you the two pick swaps. We'll give you everything beneficial in the first round from 2025 to 2029. We just drafted Abaji. Hell, you could view that as another first-round pick if you want. Here's salary filler, and we'll give you Colin Sexton, who's actually a decent player, and he can put butts in the seat, score 20 points for a lottery team. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. It's the wheel of random content. I keep calling it the random wheel of Hornets content. I got it right in the cold <laughs> open, but that was after a couple of takes. Got to talk so, about Montrez too. Yeah, we briefly yeah, talked about Montrez. I'm just looking at that graphic. Yeah, I forgot <laughs> about Trez. All right, Trez, random wheel, wheel of random Hornets content. Who knows? Find out next. Locked on Hornets. This is Locked on Hornets. Did we like the Marco Bellinelli experiment here no. in Charlotte? Or are we glad that he's kind of gone? I, I, I'm one of those that's kind of glad he's gone. Uh, one of, I, one of the too. only players that has blocked Locked On Hornets on Twitter. Did he block us? <laughs> yeah. Blocked us. Did we come at him for something? Or? So I may have said, and I didn't at him or anything like that, but I may have said that his defense on LeBron James at one point resembled that of a potted plant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. One other thing before we get to Montrez Harrell. <laughs> What's the duck the, the duck face coming back? Was that, I just feel Sorry. bad. Uh, you know, About Marco? Everybody's catching strays. I, I'm, I'm just, oh. 
Yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, I've insulted JB, I've insulted Mark. I'm it's sorry. It's so true. It's, it's me back on the right side. Look, on the right side, I'm saucier. I don't know what to tell you. I like yeah, it here think, on the right side. Yeah, people want you there, too. Like, look, it, it's I, it reminds me of the Dan Levitard promo. Like, we know what you want here. Like, look, we Doug <laughs> Doug is the guy, like, that needs to go ahead, be on the right side, and be the jester while I am the one that tries to put it. This is what it is. This is a ship, and... Doug continues to poke holes in the boat while I am getting the scoop and trying to put water out of the ship as much as possible just to land us to safe. I did want to mention this before we get to Montrez, and, and I know we got to get to the, the wheel too, but I was thinking about this, Doug, too. Like, clearly, first and foremost, the most important thing is to worry about Michelle Johnson's safety and yeah. the children, her children, and Miles Bridges' safety. I do want to point Miles Bridges' children's safety. What I want to point out, though, is just how close the Hornets were to being there in the neighborhood of where Cleveland is. You know, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland, that's a really awesome trio to add Donovan Mitchell to. You're not the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm not saying you're there. I'm saying you're at least trying to drive to the neighborhood to see if you can get in if everything works out and you have LaMelo and Miles. And think about how different everyone is talking about the Hornets in the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes. Doug, I tr yeah. I think I think Lowe brings him up. I think the Bill Simmons. I think, you know, whoever, whoever is your favorite basketball podcast, right? The Hornets do become that team that you throw out there as a somewhat interesting franchise. They become the Cleveland Cavaliers who swoop in and try to get them. They become the Memphis Grizzlies, right? I'm, I'm not saying the Hornets are Memphis. I'm not saying they're Cleveland, but you get the idea. And they're just not now like they're just not. And that's something the Hornets have to deal with. Yeah. But I mean, you know, they, they got there for a reason. Cleveland got there for a reason. Memphis yeah. got there for a reason. They, they, they continuously drafted. Well, they made some little minor moves that made a big difference. The Hornets are doing nothing. They're waiting around for, to just mm -hmm. to magically become a Cleveland to magically become a Memphis. And that's what, like, Donovan was on a long-term deal. That could have been step one in order to become Cleveland. You don't have to be Cleveland to go out and get Donovan Mitchell. You can get no, exactly Donovan Mitchell and then become Cleveland. Right. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, they hit on a couple of top five picks. That would be nice to hit on more than one. Well, we got really excited when we hit on one. And then we just don't get top five picks. We The one we got, they actually hit on, you know? So we, we're just going to get up, the 11th You're giving pick. up picks for worse picks. <laughs> That's right. Yes, it's it's going to be tough to do that. All right, Montrez Harrell, he agreed to a two-year, $5.5 million contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. Before that, Montrez kind of broke that news himself that at least he wouldn't be back with the Hornets. He put it out there, said, hey, my time in the North Carolina State was awesome. Absolutely loved it. Um, even if it was only for 20, 25 games, somebody responded to him. I believe it was uh, somebody that listens to this podcast. So shout out said, Hey, it seems like, you know, yeah. something we don't know. Um, but you know, appreciate your time here. And he's like, yeah, man, for sure. It, it love my time there, but it's over. And then after that, Woj drops the news that, yep, Trez is going to Philly. And I really like that for them. Like, you know, pick and roll with James Harden, especially if you're going to stagger Joel Embiid and, uh, and uh, James Harden, right? Like you can have the PNR really work with Harden and Trez, and then defensively, like you might have some pieces to bring in too. But regardless of that, I know you had some Montrez Harrell thoughts as well that you wanted to share after learning the news. 
Well, number one, good for Trez. I, I think you're right. Yeah. It's a perfect spot for him. They needed a backup center. I think Charles Bassey is the only other uh, true center they have on that roster. B-ball Paul so, is still there. Paul Reed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but but I think Montrez slots in really well for that team. And uh, in terms of what the Hornets are losing, I mean, when they brought Trez in, he gave them a jolt of energy, uh, some toughness, you know, some intensity. And that's mm-hmm. the thing, you know, this team, we're, we talked a lot about how they're going to have to lean on youth and inexperience this next season and hope that that youth and inexperience can grow up quickly. Uh, but one thing I don't think is going to uh, just magically appear is that level of intensity and energy that they're losing, not only with Montrez Harrell, but also with with Miles Bridges. Uh, and, and oftentimes last season, we saw that energy from uh, Bridges b- being misplaced, um, but it existed. And you need, you know, in order to, to keep that level of competition on the floor night in and night out when the grind hits, and it's going to hit really hard uh, in, the, in the middle of this Hornet season. We've already gone over the schedule. You know, d- January is going to be very difficult for this team. December, the, the, the dog days of the season are going to hit the Hornets very hard. You need that level of energy and intensity to keep, to keep things up. And, you know, I think it's going to come from Terry. It might have to come. We haven't seen, we, we've seen LaMelo display energy at, on the court, but he's not someone that I would describe as like intense or, or even tough. He's, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's not like, he's not Montrez level tough. You know, he's, mm-hmm. he is a bit of a, he leans on his skill and craftiness. This, he's crafty. Yeah. This is what I, I, I'm interested in this, right? Because you're, you're talking, yeah, I, I feel the same way. But we see stars get there. And yeah. what I go back to is Kimba Walker starting to complain about every single call he did not get once he started to establish himself as a real player in the league. Yeah. LaMelo's an all-star now. He certainly has a big enough following. The NBA cares about that face. They care about LaMelo being one of their up-and-coming stars because, hell, it helps infiltrate a Charlotte market that hadn't had a star in forever. So, bam. Everybody cares about LaMelo. Does he get star calls, which has to come from him being more physical in the lane? It has to continue to get there, be a better finisher to lead to and one opportunities. Can you get more star calls, get the free throw attempts, and then that kind of coincide with when you don't get it, does that bring more energy? Like, And I'm not saying you're discussing complaining about no calls is the same as what Trez brought you. But I do think that there is that level of, yeah, I'm a freaking dog. I got fouled. That's the only way I missed that shot. Where's the foul, ref? Like, I, I wonder if we see him kind of get that as the next two years, maybe even the next year comes about for LaMelo. A little bit different, but kind of in the same line of thinking is what I was kind of wondering about LaMelo. Well, and and this is sort of my final thought that I think really encapsulates a lot of what we talked about on this episode. And I think what we will continue to talk about through September until we see this team hit training camp, which is Mm -hmm. this. We are going to have to see things from players that we have not seen before. This is not really this is in order for this season to surprise us in any way for them to overachieve this season, that sort of 36 and a half win mark that Vegas has set for them, the, 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 the players, not the organization, because the organization has already passed the buck. They've already said, you know what? No, no reinforcements. You, you guys, you guys got it. Okay. Um, th- these players are going to have to do things 
that we've never seen before. They're going to have to realize things that we have. It's not about developing something that we kind of got a glimpse of last season. It's go- we're going to have to be completely surprised, completely shocked by what these players are capable of. And um, I'm unsure if that's really going to happen on on a large scale basis, uh, but that's what I'll be watching for as we approach preseason. That'll do it for Locked On Hornets. Thanks again for making us your first listen. Remember, we're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. That includes YouTube. Also, check out Locked On NBA. It's your daily 30 minute update on everything taking place within the association. It's great to have Doug back in the right chair. It's where he belongs. It's where he's best. It's where he feels most comfortable, and we all love him for it. We'll be back with you tomorrow in the same damn chairs. Have a great rest of your day. 